Charlotte Soccer Show. John Hayes. Danny Brams. We're in the house. In the house. We're here at Triple C Brewing Company. It's, Home base. Yes, it is. And the reason why we're here is because we've got a golden boy of the match, Danny Brams. Who feels good to finally be awarding a golden boy of the match. This is our, our, our first ever theme segment that we ever added to the show. And it doesn't always show up after kind of a bad streak with some losses, but it's back in a big way, baby. And I want to just put our put the the listener sort of in where we are mentally we did this we planned to do this when we set up to record this episode we got here we executed the plan which was as soon as we get on site order two golden boys and stand up and do a performative chug in the courtyard <laughs> take down a golden boy in uh, college style in one big swig we both pulled it off got ourselves right now we're on our second beers of the night already as we get set to do this episode. And there's only one golden boy that could win this award. It, it's Bronny Bro. It's the bro. And we're talking about a full 90 performance with a game-winning goal for the first time in his Charlotte FC career. Danny Brams, it's somebody who is in the engine room. Mm. It's somebody that the, the fan base absolutely loves, but it's hard to celebrate his action on the pitch because right. it's very workmanlike. Yeah, he puts in the work. He goes the full 90, which we love. And... He was kind of coming in for a little bit of criticism. People, Voices in the Charlotte FC community that I respect were saying, ah, oh, it's time to rest Bronico. Ah, oh, he's, he's put a lot of work in. Let's, it's, it's a tough time. Let's give him a game off. And I said, I pushed back on that because I said, no. Bronny Bro is a fountain of boundless energy. Bronny Bro trains right. Bronny Bro has the grind set. He does the work. And everything that he's doing... 24-7, 365, is to get himself ready to go the full 90 over and over and over again. He has started every MLS game for this club this Incredible. season. Incredible record. And I don't know that because I looked it up. I just can't remember a time where he didn't start. <laughs> right. He rarely even subs. He's only subbed out a handful of times as well, so... He's Bronny Bro, and he delivered the goods. It was a beautiful play. It was a gorgeous team goal finished off by Bronny Bro. The play was amazing from Kalina out to the wing. The winger was able to control it, get the ball to Fuchs. Fuchs didn't really see any options presenting themselves, so he said, you know what? No Fuchs given. I'm just going to send one into the box. And he sent this beautiful, long, high, curling ball over the defender's head. Carroll knew what to do with it. Carroll saw the run over his shoulder of Bronny into the open space. Carroll drew the defense to him, trying to get the ball, and then just beautifully executed little back heel flick right into the running path of Brand Bronico. 2-1 Charlotte FC. We would add a third later with the penalty. Mm. But it was just a it just was a party atmosphere. With, you knew when Brandt scored that goal, we still had about 10, 11 minutes to kill to make sure we were good. And I had no doubt that it was going to happen. I, we were just riding too high, and New York City was just too weak. And as soon as he scored that goal, I realized that my guaranteed 3-1 to one loss prediction <laughs> was going to be totally wrong. And You call him like you see him, you know? You always you like I'm to surprised. brag. You like to brag. You know, you know when this team's going to lose. You said it before, and you've been right, but this time the team surprised not just you. I think they surprised a lot of people. They did, and the key thing that you need to know about this, Danny Brams, is that while I did have action against Charlotte FC on the road at LAFC, I had no action against them on the road at NYC FC. So that made my bad prediction feel a little bit better. Yeah, for sure. And even I only predicted a draw. My, my pre-match prediction was that we'd come out of this with a draw because I felt NYC was a little weak. But what happened was the reason that we got the win is because NYFC was even more than a little weak. They were very weak. And we highlighted the lack of Castellanos and Delia, their striker and coach who recently left. Forgot to even mention that their anchor of their defense was gone as well due to injury, uh, Callens, Alexander Callens. So they were just, uh, they're the defending champs. They came into the match third in the East and it, it, they look like a juggernaut. They're playing a quote unquote at home. More thoughts on that later, but. <laughs> In reality, they were vulnerable. They were ripe for the picking. They were a team that was going out there looking to get beat. And what I love the most, John, is that our team played them fairly even in the first half. We scored a really nice counterattack goal. 
We mostly defended. We turtled up. We parked the bus a little bit in the first half. Ended up giving up a goal on just a worldie, just a total unstoppable shot. That It was a shot that I said on Twitter, that that's the kind of shot you have to stop before it's even taken. Because once it leaves uh, Maxime Cheneau's foot and it's curling into the top corner, there's nothing Christian Kalina can do about it, even though he had a stellar performance. If you would have told me there would be a better, better goal in the game after I witnessed that, I'd be like, no chance. Right, but there was. And it was Brawny's. It was Brawny Bro's finish of a great team goal. And the thing of it is, what I'm trying to get to is, what we did is we smelled blood. There was blood in the water. We played it mostly even the first half. It was tactical. It was We were defensive. But at, at some point, and credit to Christian Latanzio and credit to all the players on the pitch, they smelled blood in the water. They knew that New York City was about to give up. They knew that if they put on a high press, which I haven't seen Charlotte really do a ton of high pressing this year. We've done it at times, we, but it hasn't been a, a staple of our game. But they, they turned it on. They decided to go into a really aggressive high press and basically took the game away from New York City, and it was awesome. The high press worked because it was organized. And Charlotte FC's performance against NYCFC was way more organized than it was on the road at L.A. And two names come to mind. And I felt great about them in the first half, even though it was 1-1 and Charlotte FC gave up a, a worldy goal. And the SofaScore app was telling me that Christian Fuchs and Jalen Lindsay were not highly rated in that first half. That's the one thing that I'll point out is that SofaScore doesn't know how to account for emotional mm-hmm. impact on the match. And just having Christian Fuchs in there at baseline made Charlotte FC more organized. He was the conductor. He was the captain. He had everybody everywhere they needed to be for the full 90s. And for me, even though we gave Ronnie Bro the golden boy of the match, I'm going to award another golden boy of the match. <laughs> the golden boys. Let's go. <laughs> that means you have, to chug your, you have to chug your beer, right? The golden boys of the match because Christian Fuchs, Christian Fuchs, I'm pretty sure that cicada, by the way, <laughs> just ran into the back of my head about 20 That's seconds ago. That's a loud ass cicada, yeah. He's my second golden boy of the match. I absolutely love it. And we can it. crown as many as we want right. tonight on the show. I think Christian Fuchs played a golden boy worthy performance. I think Jalen Lindsay played a very quietly go almost, you know, he he's give him a silver boy, you know, why not? How about Christian Kalina with he, the he's huge the 3C. He's the 3C. Ooh, I like that. Another maybe another uh, pseudo sponsored segment here, who knows, but Kalina played really well. Had some huge did what he does best, which is stop shots. That yes. you can, people that want to question Kalina. Is he a golden boy of the match? I think he's pretty golden. He's looking golden from where I'm sitting for sure. Uh, you know, how about how about Carol Swiderski, ladies and gentlemen? I mean that back heel was maybe the best assist you'll see all in MLS all season. Yeah. And and for you sure. have is he a golden boy of the match? I think Carroll could be a golden boy because he also <laughs> had the, the opening goal. It, once again, Charlotte FC scores quick in the first 10, 15 minutes of a match. This one, I think, was the sixth minute, if I'm not mistaken. I double-checked that. I think it might have been third or fourth. It was really quick. I yeah, think it was fourth. And we got a quick lead. Well, I think he scored it in the third, and it was awarded in the sixth because of a really, really bad, bad referee ruling that took a long VAR to overcome. I mean, Sean Johnson, quote-unquote, saved uh, Swiderski's shot while sitting on his ass three yards deep inside the goal. And, it, and the, uh, they didn't rule it a goal uh, immediately, which was pretty disappointing to me because I wanted Carroll to be able to celebrate. I felt like Carroll had like an epic celebration teed up that kind of got cut kind of short by a weird referee ruling. But we did get the goal in the end, and that's fine. And we got the win. And how about McKenzie Gaines? What is the biggest criticism of McKenzie Gaines all season long? No end product. He doesn't have the cross... To, he always crosses it straight to the keeper instead of to a teammate who's on the attack. Well, he, he took a beautiful, beautiful, long, long overhead pass from Quinn City McNeil, which was awesome, which probably until Carroll's backhill was my favorite pass of the season. McNeil to Gaines, and Gaines taking it first time on the run, on the half volley, crossing it straight across two defenders to Carroll's foot, you know, avoiding the goalkeeper that he's taken so much criticism for his crosses on before, and really... That first goal, really, Carroll's the one who almost messed it up because he took a, a, probably a touch he didn't need to. He should have probably volleyed that home, but he knew what he was doing. 
he controlled it. He sort of let the defenders go past him, and he still had an opening. He didn't waste too much time. He, he could have been a little quicker there, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna nitpick. And so Gaines played great. McNeil played great for 45 minutes. Had a little bit of a rough go in the second half. They're just I mean, it's just golden. It's the you know what it is to make a, uh, a Game of Thrones reference. It was the Golden Company. <laughs> it wasn't just a golden boy. It was the golden company, man. It was like an army of warriors that were all united on the same page, yes. following the leader, and just ready to rock. A lot of people said, and, and the club, you could tell by some of their cryptic PR communication, they heard the noise right after the 5-0 loss right. on the road at LAFC. The thing about soccer that I think is different than other sports maybe college football is as close as it gets is that when you get blown out badly things change quickly yeah a 5-0 loss mm-hmm. imagine if that was 7 yeah well I don't want to do I have to? no <laughs> imagine that game never happened is a little bit closer to where my imagination's going but things yeah. happen quickly after bad results right like that. well it's you know not to get you can. I don't hope I don't insult anybody's gender politics here, but you know, when you take a man, or, or let's just say a human, and you destroy their pride and make them feel the most embarrassment they've ever felt in their life, they're not gonna just bow down and take it. They're gonna respond with fire, with fury. Yeah, they do. You know, and that's you can only kick someone's ass for so long before they get tired of it and start decide to kick some ass themselves, and that's what we did. It's the Charlotte Soccer Show. John Hayes, Danny Brams. We're at Triple C here in South End again. We wanted to make sure that we celebrated this. I'll call it a historic victory for Charlotte FC because it was a victory that you know, provided one of the moments of the season. It's the and first I, time we've ever beaten the defending champs, so there's your history right there. And when you look back at the inaugural season of Charlotte FC, I have a good feeling that you'll remember that Wednesday night on the road when Brant Bronico got his first goal for the club, someone that deserved it. Everybody was waiting for it, and you could tell that you know, he not only appreciated it, but his teammates did as well, and that's exciting. You can hit us up at For the Crown Baby on Twitter. Please do that, and we've got your TIFO questions. We'll never forget about our tremendous friends of the show, and we're going to get to our, our first question of the show right after this break, and that question is, from a tremendous friend of the show. How long does the high of this win last? <laughs> a fluke road win doesn't cure all of the underlying problems <laughs> with this club. And we know that can only come from the one and only life of Gesslin, Matt Gesslin, who I would almost call him a, a he's still a TIFOS. But he's more of a tremendous frenemy of the show than friend. <laughs> Who knows? But he did kind of want to come to troll us here on the questions. And uh, I don't I think can... it's a troll job. I think he's got a point. I'm not saying it's a fluke. I think the word fluke is... Fluke feels like a troll. A troll. But it was an outlying win. If you look at what Charlotte FC's road record looks like, this is an outlier, not the norm. Sure. Does the norm continue... For the rest of the season, or is this something that puts Charlotte FC into a state of mind where road wins are possible? We're going to discuss that next. Should we get another beer? We should. Finn is here hanging out again at Triple C, being a very good boy, and we're going to be back after this. Charlotte Soccer Show, John Hayes, Danny Brams. It is now past dusk at Triple C. It's a beautiful Thursday evening here. And Danny Brams, you're wearing just maybe the freshest kit in the MLS right now. Oh, it's as good as it gets, baby. It's the mint kit. That's what it's all kit. about. The community kit. And, you know, I don't know if you can hear in the background, but they've got some Smashing Pumpkins playing and singing, today is the greatest. It's not the greatest for me, but it's up there. Today's been a great day. I've been rocking the mint kit all day because you, when you come off of a big win like that and you're wearing the community kit in New York and you basically just embar- like 
just absolutely embarrassed the defending champs and made them look like clowns and they had no fans in the stadium by the by the middle of the second half it felt like it was a charlotte fc home match because the crowd was just completely dead and we had absolutely turned the tables on them in terms of controlling the energy of the match right when all that happens it might be the greatest day i've ever known it's absolutely brilliant and i'm loving life i love this kit and it's a damn shame that we're gonna have to give it up. There's only a few games left, and you got, you know, should we fight for our right to keep the mint kit? I'm trying to decide here. What do you think? But we gotta fight to, for our right to party, <laughs> and that's what we're gonna do on Sunday night. And the club better be wearing their minty fresh black kits against Orlando. Makes sense to me. I've, I will uh, on the broadcast last night said there's only two matches left that we're gonna be wearing these, and he, he named what those matches were, but I was just like too. I, I've <laughs> Had too many pops to remember exactly which ones. I think it, he said the return fixture against NYC. Well, I don't want the plan to come to fruition. I want them to wear the kit every match from here on in <laughs> okay. when they can. Okay, I like this, that. This is yeah. my kit for the club. Kit, the, black would go good against either the purple or white that Orlando wants to rock, so I, I could see it for sure. All right, we're back inside. It's Triple C, and we, we got a little rain outside. Segment interrupted. Segment absolutely interrupted. We got some rain outside, uh, and we're here inside. I don't know if it's going to rain, but we'll do the rest of the segment from in here. I don't know how long it's going to rain, I should say. So. And I wonder, still I wonder, who will stop the rain, you know? <laughs> I want to get into some TIFO questions, and I want to address what we talked about before the break, and that was the idea of this wind being an outlier. And I want to ask, answer the question. The question simply was, Danny Brands, the question was, how long does the high last? The high, as we were saying sort of as we started this segment before we had to get interrupted and relocate, the high lasts at least through today because I've, I've been riding a high, like I said, wearing my mint street, wearing my community kit, my mint edition. It's been a beautiful high. And I think the high is probably going to last until tomorrow, to be perfectly honest, for me. For the fan base, I think this high is going to last probably all the way up until kickoff on Sunday against Orlando because we are riding very high. And the, from the comments I've seen, it's really cool. It's cool, but I, I don't know how healthy it is. But we are riding the swings of emotion with this team. The Christian Latanzio Charlotte FC is absolutely a roller coaster. We've mentioned that term many times on the show before. And we're just riding the roller coaster at this point, and we're up at the top because. People, from what I've seen on social media, people have pretty much forgotten that LAFC ever happened, and they're ready to give CL the coach of the year again. They're, you know, they're, oh, we're back in the playoff chase. I've seen Undertaker gifts. I've seen, you know, all kinds of, you know, back from the dead gifts out there in the Twitter space, and everyone, everyone's talking about the playoffs again, which is good. I'd rather have it be that than talking about the wooden spoon for sure. I'm not complaining about it. I love it. I want to maybe. I'm not sure if I want to. I don't. Do we want to temper expectations? Do we want to try to throw a dose of reality on this, or do we want to just celebrate it and have fun and enjoy the ride while it's going? I'm going to answer the question directly, Danny Brams. And that is, it just depends how good your shit is. <laughs> so well, let's see how it hits on Sunday night. I can't wait. I mean. That's the one of the greatest things about this win over New York is that yes, it rejuvenated our playoff hopes. Yes, it showed us that our team has backbone, all that stuff. But what it it really did, and you you hinted at this earlier, was it set the stage for Sunday. Coming back to play against Orlando at home on Sunday after after two bad losses, if we had suffered two bad losses on the road, would have been like, okay, thank God we're back home. Let's try to rally. Let's try to reset, et cetera, et cetera. Coming back home off of a road win in New York City against the defending champs when they had no fans in the house is like the stage is set. It's like how how far can we take this? Let's keep it going. Let's let's party. We're reveling in the victory. We're loving everything we've got. We are supportive of everyone on the team. Everyone played great. Christian Latanzio. Best performance as a coach. Yes. His I, lineup changes were amazing. Yes, they were. His substitutions were on point, except for one, I would say, but it didn't really matter. Even got Vargas in the squad. His name didn't get mentioned. Well, he's gonna, his name was mentioned by Artifos. 
So you're going to get a chance to talk a little bit more about Kieran Vargas when you're answering the uh, TIFO's questions, and let's just go ahead and get into them. Since you don't have uh, a phone, uh, your phone battery has died yet again for the second consecutive episode, we're going to have to switch this up, and I'm going to have to go rapid fire with you here on some TIFO's questions. Well, I can be quick. I, I'm, I think I'm, my answers are quicker than yours. Oh, 100%. So I would agree I with that. Be qu- I will be quick, and you can right. follow up. I'm the king of the digression. I'm the king of the... Uh, 30-minute answer to a two-minute question, et cetera, et cetera. So let's go ahead and get into some questions. And first off, before we get to the questions, okay. shout-out to our boy, Michael Volak, okay, battling it out all day in the mentions with some lame-ass New York City fan that was, like, busting out all the shitty cliches, like, oh, flyover country, your corny little state. Uh, we don't we don't ever go to New Jersey. We're New Yorkers. That's why there were no fans in the stands. And it was just the lamest, weakest, just sorriest and shittiest arguments I've ever heard. And I didn't feel like getting into it. I was busy at work, but I was watching it well, from Vol- the sidelines. Volak had our back. Volak <laughs> had it all under control. You're the freaking man, Volak. All right, so let's see if we can get into some of these questions. And we're going to start with... Our boy, DB's Hot Takes. Danny Brackett, he says, Latanzio has had multiple experiments this season and this match. What experiments panned out and which ones didn't? My favorite part about this segment so far is that you picked your own question. <laughs> no, that is not me. Segment. That is not me. I would never put Liverpool in my username. Come on. Or would I? <laughs> Depends how much you want to disguise that it is actually you. Vargas was the best experiment that he's made. How so? It just like injected a little bit of energy into a front three that needed pace with a square block in the back. Remember, Derek Jones in there with Bronny Bro and then Fuchs and Lindsay. That was all about an organized defense. Mm-hmm. It wasn't quite parking the bus, but it was close. Putting Vargas out there was just putting another version of Gaines on the other side. I like that. That's a good take. That's a really good take. And Vargas had an impact. Uh, for a long time, he was kind of invisible, but that was more due to the style that we were playing. It wasn't necessarily a knock on him. He didn't maybe do a bunch of things for the first 20 minutes or so. The ball didn't really come down his side. But there was one moment about midway through the first half. I believe that – I forget what the score was at the time, but he got loose. He, he crept up. He kind of crept up on – the defense as they were trying to play it out of the back, stole a pass, got free, got loose, and fired off a wicked, wicked shot. I, I felt like he had some options, potentially. I was like, ah, you could have maybe laid that off, but he didn't care. He, he busted it between, he stole the ball from a defender, busted between two others, and fired off a pretty nice shot on goal that forced a save. It was a great shot. And I got no problems with anything he did. I don't think he made a huge impact, and we had some questions about this we're, we're kind of answering a question in advance talking about Vargas but do you think he earned more playing time I do I think he did and just for just so you know even though my phone is dead I made sure that I had the questions on my computer smart so I could do this segment smart in case my phone dies smart man uh, it's that time of the year where Apple is saying hey Come buy another one. Yeah, go buy a new phone. We're going to artificially shut down your battery until you get so pissed you buy a new phone. But, yeah, it's our TIFO Tug Speedman. No, no, I need to ask you a question first. Oh, wow. Okay, hit me. And it's from Ash. Ash Hamrick, one could, of our boys. Could Fuchs be our next manager? I think in Fuchs's mind, he thinks he might be the, become the next manager. I think he kind of sees a – I think Fuchs knows that if he wanted to become a, a manager in Europe – he would probably need to go coach at a smaller club first over on the European side, kind of like, you know, Steven Gerrard, Frank Lampard, Wayne Rooney. Those guys, you know, Lampard and Gerrard are coaching in the Premier League now. They're Premier League legends. They started at smaller clubs, Rangers and Derby. Wayne Rooney started at Derby before moving to D.C. United. So even Fuchs is not quite on those guys' level. So, you know, he's not going to jump into like a Premier League job right away. So, yeah, I think he's the way he's probably seeing it is he's looking at MLS as a league where he can sort of skip some steps in the in the process to becoming a head coach. He's not going to need to go become an MLS assistant. That, that's really not what he's here for. I think 
there's a very good chance he wants to be our next coach. I haven't heard that directly from his mouth, but I kind of assume it or presume it. And I think there is a chance he could be our next coach. I don't think he would be the guy to take over directly for interim manager Christian Latanzio next season. I feel like he maybe thinks he wants to start next season as a player still. Agreed. But by some point, either at the end of next year or the start of year three of this project, we could see Fuchs as the manager of Charlotte FC to answer your question, Ash. I agree. Totally agree with you. That was my thought. He still wants to play. And if Latanzio is brought back for next season, I think that makes Fuchs' chances to be the next head coach even greater. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. Because Latanzio is always going to be seen by some fans and hosts of this podcast as a, as the stopgap option, you know. Well, like, yeah, he's not seen. I, I think you're putting that wrong because, like, it's almost like we're degrading him and looking down on him when all we're doing is talking about his title. Right. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not degrading him, but the club is still calling him interim. The club has not given him the, the full title yet. So, right. Are we supposed to act like he's our? He's our boss with the interim tag? It's tough to call him the boss. Uh, even coming off one of his very best coaching performances of the year, when he was under fire just as much as some of the players, you know, like, we, we started the discussion with our last episode, is is he on the hot seat? Is it time to sack him? And it's not like we were calling for that. We just wanted no, to ask question. the question. Yeah, and we so we got a lot of different answers to that question across the spectrum. So is the, is the club going to give him the full-time job or not? And what are they waiting for? If it's such a great... If it's such a great win against NYCFC and he had a great match, then why does he still have to wear the interim tag? Well, well, just like you don't fire him off the back of the LAFC match, you don't just immediately hire him full-time off the back of the NYC match. As much as we as fans are riding the roller coaster in the Latanzio era, you have to hope that cooler heads are prevailing in the front office. You have to hope that they're not quite hitting the high amplitudes on that wave that we are in terms of the ups and downs. And... You have to think that Latanzio, he's going to be judged on where we finish. I think you said when he was hired, when they when they dropped, when they fired MIR and installed CL, what did you say? You said it. If he makes the playoffs, he's our coach next year. Yeah, if he doesn't make the playoffs, he's not our coach next year. And I think we're still in the same spot. Next question. Next question. I just let's let's shout out to Tug Daily at Tug Speedman forty six, who just has. He, he's answered us a couple questions because he he didn't want to uh, ask two-part questions, so he just asked three different questions in three different tweets, which I respect. Me too. What's the best one? One, one of them, the best one was probably about Vargas, which I think you kind of answered. Did you want to elaborate yeah. at, as far as did he did a lackluster game hurt his chance at more minutes? You think no? No. Okay. Do you think do you think that let me let me add a question here. Let me insert myself into this question answer. Was Reyna just purely a rest day, and we should expect to see Jordi Reyna back as a starting left wing next match, no matter what? Yes. Uh, I expect Reyna to start at home against Orlando. I think 100%. so, too. I think so, too. So, here's the real question from Tug Spieman. Was the cameraman in the away section? It sounded like a home game. I mean... We only had, like, 100 fans there, max. And NYCFC maybe had 32. <laughs> right. We were louder. So, yeah, it makes sense. Right. That it would sound like a home Com- match. Compare what you saw at LAFC, at Bank of California Stadium, which, by the way, yet a- a- among the million other reasons that I've outlined many times not to call our stadium the bank, one more reason on the pile is that LAFC calls their stadium the bank, so why would we want to copy them? It's just not, not a move. But anyway, compare the atmosphere at Bank of California Stadium to Red Bull Arena in that short spin. We were fighting against 12, maybe 13 people with that LAFC crowd. You know what it was like? It was like going to an indoor, smallish venue to see a rock band, Uh and then going to an empty orchestra hall (laughs) to see the strings play. Yep. Like, it was a completely different experience, and... We could get into shit talk about NYCFC. We can. I'm ready. I'm here for it. I'm here for if it. I've already given want. some. Uh, it's just, it's embarrassing. Like I said, like if we ever win the title and then can't even get the stadium 25% full the next season, I, I would be sh- completely embarrassed. 
And I wouldn't be coming with bullshit excuses about how I don't like to go to New Jersey. That's for damn sure. The, the, we could be playing in Gastonia, and I would get my ass out to Gastonia to go play. And I feel, trust me, if you'd want to talk about how the way New Yorkers feel about New Jersey, we can get into it. But, no, it's just a really weak excuse. And New York City fans, you got a lot to answer for, in my, in my opinion. Let's go back to Volak, who was battling it out with those aforementioned NYC fans. Okay. He does have a question for, for us as his TIFO's status. I'm still in shock at what happened, but how do we bottle that energy and effort for the rest of the campaign? Well, that's up to the supporters. That's totally up to the supporters. And it's about the walkout on Sunday night at the keep and the energy that we give the players to perform again. I, I, I don't have much else to add besides that. I tweeted today. It said, if you don't have tickets to Sunday night's game and you live in Charlotte this weekend, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Like, you're not doing anything else Sunday night. I have, I have multiple texts out to people that I have not seen in, in several weeks being like, hey, I better see you this weekend. <laughs> like, get, get somewhere. Get to Elizabeth. Get to the French Quarter. Get to the tailgate. Get to the freaking keep. Let's have a party. Let's get the party atmosphere. I know Orlando fans, there'll probably be as many Orlando fans in their away section as there were New York fans in their home field. So, because I know Orlando fans travel pretty well and they still, they're still pretty fired up because they have... It's a big match. Yeah, it's a big match for them. So let's get into it. Let's get into the match. I appreciate the questions. I know we've can got I, a lot of questions. Can I ask one more question? Okay. And this is from our guy, Beer Bourbon Bronico. Who is the greatest Charlotte FC player of all time, and why is it Brant Bronico? It's a great question, and the reason why is because he is not the king. He's not the hand of the king. He's not the prince. I would potentially consider him... What does Willie P call him? The mayor. The mayor. The mayor. I, I like that, but I don't think... He's the bro. He's the bro. <laughs> He's a bro. You can call him the mayor. But when we're thinking about what he would be in a Game of Thrones-esque role, I would call him, like... The Hound. <laughs> He's the Hound, baby. <laughs> He's got that dog in him. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Man. He's the guy who puts in the work, who's all business, no nonsense, doesn't say much, and lets his game do the talking. He's the fucking hound. And when you get in a fight with him, you're going to lose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, so you want, you, I've got more questions. And I've got more questions for you. Hit me. Orlando, Sunday night. How winnable is this match? You were confident that New York City FC was a winnable match. You were proven right about that. You said that LAFC was going to be tough. You were proven right about that. Give me your honest take about Sunday. Love me or hate me for my takes, but I've been right about a lot of things this year. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and say it for sure. Uh, Orlando certainly a winnable game. It was, it was a really rough, deflating disappointing loss when we lost in Orlando April 30th I was there I was in the building I was surrounded by Orlando City fans who were sitting down in the front rows of the stadium and yelling at me for trying to stand up to watch the match so yeah so I don't I don't really have a whole lot of love for that aspect of Orlando I do know that they support their squad I actually know some people from Orlando that are traveling in we'll be hanging out with them on Saturday trying to welcome them and host them and show them a good time because Orlando did show me a good time I got no beef with that but one of the key things we need to think about with Orlando coming into this match is that they just lost their creative force, their creative midfielder, their number 10, Alexander Pato. Maybe a name you recognize if you follow world soccer. This guy was a wonderkind for AC Milan way back in the day. He kind of became a little bit of a journeyman, but he is Brazilian. He is a force to be reckoned with, but he's not something we're going to have to worry about because he's injured. He's out. He got hurt the last game. He won't be available for Charlotte. So that, that helps us. They have a DP who has mixed results, Facundo Torres. He's, he's okay. He's not great. 
he has big moments of looking really silky smooth and, and he's someone we need to worry about and pay attention to but he's not someone who can beat us on his own I don't think uh, we have to worry about a guy named Junior Urso who's kind of like a the, Orlando did this really weird thing a few about a month and a half ago where they took one of their best like attacking wingers Maurizio Pereira more of a central midfielder but he's kind of attacking midfielder and they moved him back in the formation to play as more of a deep line midfielder and they took their center defensive midfielder a guy named Junior Urso who's kind of a destroyer type player and they actually moved him to the wing which is really weird and I would have never thought it would work in a million years and yet it did work and Urso is actually doing like he's been crazy productive with goals and assists from that wing position since he moved out there so He's just a quality player, one of those guys that's kind of like a, he's got so much skill he can play anywhere. So he's someone to worry about. Uh, the thing about Orlando, though, is their coach is very conservative. They have a big habit of playing for the 1-0. If they get a 1-0 lead, there's a very good chance that they will turtle up and just try to protect that 1-0 lead. And that makes them vulnerable. They tried that against D.C. about three weeks ago. They got an early goal from, uh, I believe it was from Pereira, and... And then they just like shut it down for 70 plus minutes. And they ended up getting beat in stoppage time. They got equalized late and then they got beat 2-1 in stoppage time. So you're never out of a game against Orlando. We probably, even even that second half when we were down big to Orlando, I think we were down 3-0 and then Fuchs got the PK, won by Alan Franco, the Blue Hornet, by the way, who a lot of people will try to tell you that he never did anything good for this club, but he actually did earn a PK that was converted by Fuchs in Orlando. And we actually had some chances in that game to, to even it up, and we didn't. So you're never really out of it against Orlando. I, some Orlando City fan friends of mine said to me earlier this week that Orlando's better on the road than at home. So maybe that's something to watch out for. They actually might play better on the road, which is very rare for MLS. But I'm not worried about Orlando. If we take care of business, if we play with the same intensity that we played that last 30 minutes against New York, they won't be able to hang with us. Should there be any changes? One thing that you've noticed, Danny Brams, is that Christian Lotanzio doesn't change a winning side. Right. Does he change a winning side? I think the one time he did change the winning side was the changes he made from the D.C. United game to the Chicago game where he, after Mora and Affle completely owned D.C., he switched them both out and sent them back both to the bench. I thought that was a mistake. I still do like Lindsey, though, as the, as the starting right back, so... And it's also going to depend on whether or not uh, our new guys are ready. There's speculation that the visa process could be completed. I don't think any of them, I definitely don't think uh, Melanda will not slot straight into the starting lineup, barring any crazy injuries. I don't think Byrne slots straight into the starting lineup. I think even if Santos and Byrne are available for Saturday, I believe they'll be available off the bench. I don't see them becoming starters right away. Although I would hope that Santos is such a talented player that he would be starting the next game. But I hope to see Nuno Santos starting against Toronto, that uh, our next home match next week. But when it comes to changing the winning side, here's the other thing, though. There will be changes, I think, because there was a lot of changes into New York. And I don't think Vargas starts again. I think Reyna comes back in for Vargas. I think Gaines will start again. I think Carroll starts again. I don't know that we necessarily need that, that double pivot of Jones and Bronico necessarily need it. But I kind of want it. Me too. <laughs> I kind of want it. I liked it. I loved it a lot. And we saw what could happen with Bronico being able to, yes, play his defensive six role, but have that freedom because he knows he's got the cover. Uh, Derek the Destroyer is going to be back there ready to freaking dominate anything that gets past Brant. So Brant can just go be the hound and get up there and play box to box. Be and, on the front line. Yeah, be a little more attacking. There were spots... Even before he got his goal, he was in some attacking positions that I liked to see out there. So, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think Bronico will start again, obviously. And I wouldn't mind seeing Jones start again next to him. You know, I, I, And then I, I would start Quinn McNeil again. I think, I think Quinn had himself a hell of a 60 minutes against NYC. And then he got a little loose with the fouls, and he, had, he was carrying a yellow card, so he was a quick sub out just to get him to make sure we don't get a red card. But, like, I think, like... He was so locked in, I'm imagining that he went to the bench and just like stared out the field and watched everything that's going on. Like, I think he like is that kind of player that 
can play 60 good minutes and then come out on the bench and learn from the 30 minutes that he's on the bench is what I'm trying to say. So I think Quinn will be back in the starting lineup. We know about the home road splits with Bender. Ben Bender is way better at home than he is on the road. So he could come back in. Uh, but I wouldn't mind seeing Jones in there again because Grant, Grant just has that skill in, in, that, in that hybrid, that six and a half, that box-to-box role. It's a no-brainer. Bring them both back, Jones yeah. and Grant. And Jones also had some skill on the ball. He's such a big, lanky guy, and he's so physical that you underrate. Like, he has some touch and some skill, some dribbling ability. Yeah, of course he does, and that's why we want him in the lineup. Yeah. And that's why last night I was, on Wednesday night before the match, I was so excited about the double pivot and the possibilities there. It doesn't have to be a pure double pivot, but it's a great midfield combination. Jones and Bronico. Ronnie Bro has freedom to roam. You know, he, he's like... Right. He, he's, Let freedom ring. Exactly Let right. freedom ring. Exactly. <laughs> you said it. You, you tweeted it at me, for sure. And that's, that's what you asked for, and that's what you got. And there, there's no country like, like America. It's a, it's a free country. So, a couple things here, Danny Rams. Let's set where the table is. Let's get into the table, and let's talk Wait, about Charlotte FC let me just Let me just touch on one thing. I'm sorry to keep going backwards, but... We talked about Jan Sobosinski. Could he go the full 90? He did. He went the full 90. I thought about that. I thought about that during the match. I was like, and by the way, uh, Eric and Sam shouted that out. Really? Yes. I love that. Yes. At the end of the match, he said, uh, Sam said, we were curious whether he could go the full 90 after he had to come off what seemed like cramps earlier, just three days before. Yep. Or four days before. And he's made it to the 90-minute mark. So I mean, how blessed are we as Charlotte fans to have both Mr. Lloyd Sam and Ms. Jessica Charman as analysts on, on the TV and radio cast, respectively? Just two awesome analysts that know the game very well. And they it's funny, when they point out things that we've been pointing out, it makes me feel like, yeah, maybe we do know a little bit of what we're talking like about. The, the experts. Yeah, exactly. Welcome to the Validation so, Podcast. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Even though my prediction for last... <laughs> match was horribly wrong and thank god that it was <laughs> well and and jan is all about his passing he's really good on defense he plays a, he gets stuck in makes tackles cuts off lanes but his distribution off that back line to start attacks he might be the best we have in that role despite his youthful age it's a, a fun it's a fun way to think about this squad who are the young players and how they can contribute moving forward. Vargas we saw. Sobachinski we saw. Are we going to see Ben McNeil continue to excel in his role in the midfield? Ben Bender, somebody who came off the bench. So much young talent on the Charlotte FC roster. If you could make this work for the next three years, this ain't going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Lindsay. The, the youthful talent on this squad gives you so much hope for the future. It's incredible. It's incredible to think where we might be in, in three to four or five years. And we're going to be competing for MLS Cups. I just honestly believe it. I, as we're, so, we're probably some of the harshest voices in the Charlotte FC community when it comes to like really harping on these guys when they do poorly and getting pissed off about it and being negative and pointing out what we think are realistic flaws and whatnot. But, like, don't get it twisted. Do not ever get it twisted because I see, like, nothing but greatness in this club's future. Like, I'm dreaming of the, the full trophy gates we're going to have someday. Shout out to our guy Von Pullman who was tweeting about that in a conversation we had earlier this week. And I just thought to myself, yeah, man, the trophy case. Yes, tell me more. I just want to make sure, and the reason why I'm critical, Danny Brams, is because this isn't a free ride. You gotta pay money to get on the train. Baby. <laughs> That's true too. And you gotta put in the work, and you gotta put in the time and the energy, because that destination down the road, the only way you get there is if you get points and if you get W's. And if you're not contributing to that, we're just gonna be moving and standing still. Yeah, and we're not here to stand still. We're here to go forward. We're here to set the standard for MLS. Like. My, my running joke is, oh, Seattle Sounders, the model MLS franchise, just because they think they are, you know? But I honestly believe that someday Charlotte FC can become the model MLS franchise. I'm not, I'm not that's 100% serious, no tongue-in-cheek at all. 
Charlotte Soccer Show. God, I love this club. John Hayes, Danny Brams. We're so excited about Sunday night. We'll make sure that we come back with a podcast early next week, recapping the match on Sunday. We're going to enjoy our pilgrimage from Elizabeth to Uptown into the Keep on Sunday evening. We'll be at the Supporters Bar pregame and at halftime. We're excited to catch up with some of you, our TIFOs. And Danny Brands, before we get out of here, would you pick at least one more question? Yeah, I will. And I'm going to skip the question from our boy Mitchell Spensky, new, new first-time questioner, new TIFOs. I would love shout to get, out. I would love to get your question in, which says, "What are our options concerning Usviak? Having a DP that barely deserves to be a bench warmer seems like it could prevent us from being great in the next few years." I'm going to skip over that question. I think the answer's in the question. I'm going to go <laughs> a little bit further down. I'm going to go to our boy, Jonathan Pata. Oh, Pata Bread. Pata Bread, the one and only. This guy's awesome, great TIFOs. He says, a lot of the win came down to a complete shift in attitude after halftime, especially Bronico. Would you guys agree that's what made the win possible? I think we already agreed with you there. But the real question is, if so, where did the shift come from? Do you believe it was Latanzio in a halftime speech? Was it Fuchs setting the tone? Who, who do you most credit for the shift in attitude that won us the match? Well, I'll disagree with, with uh, Jonathan Potter to start. And the reason why is because I don't think it was a halftime adjustment that got Charlotte FC the win. Y- yes, New York had more possession in the first half against Charlotte, but that possession was calculated. We were in a low block. We were playing defense. We were looking for the counter. We were exactly executing what the game plan was. In the second half, the game plan was what you saw. It was a 90-minute execution. It's what we talked about on the last podcast. Mm -hmm. You can't have a 45-minute execution. It needs to start at the first minute and end in the 90th. It needs to be a continuum throughout the entire game. That's what tactical play is like. And then when you you change the tactics, because when you're 60 minutes in, you go, oh, fuck, this ain't working. Mm -hmm. Latanzio's tactics were great. And the way I'll answer the question is, is that and I said it earlier in the show, and I'll say it again, and, I, and I'm glad that I get to end the show this way, is that Christian Fuchs and Jalen Lindsay made all the difference on the back line. I can't disagree. Fuchs is great to have out there. You always worry about him getting beat on a defensive play, taking too much of a risk. But And we had you know, we had another question that, that asked us, what do you think about Fuchs in the midfield? We teased that idea, toyed with that idea earlier in the, in the year. I don't think it's going to happen. Me neither. I don't, no I don't t- think no it's chance. the move. I would, I would prefer him at striker. <laughs> oh, oh can, I finish this, can I finish the show with one more take? Please. I finally figured out what Christian Latanzio is doing with Andre Shinshu. Enlighten me. I finally figured it out. And it was the substitution of Swiderski for Shinyashiki. What was that, like the 75th, 80th minute? I Late in the match. Yep. Late in the match. 77th. The bouncer has been bounced out <laughs> of the second striker. Role. Yeah. It's Swiderski's job, and it's Shinyashiki's backup role yeah. at the striker position. Now, what that means about what we've previously discussed on this podcast in regards to the contract, the general allocation money, whether Charlotte FC is willing to spend it, there's no doubt in my mind that Christian Latanzio sees Andre Shinyashiki as Carol Sverdersky's backup. I can't disagree. I think you're right. I hate it because I just think Andre's too talented. I think Andre... Andre on the pitch for 60-plus minutes is better for this team than Andre on the pitch for 15 minutes. I, I honestly believe that. And I, you know, I, call me crazy. I, I, I'm, I subscribe to that, that positionless soccer philosophy a little bit more than most, I think. And, I, you know, people are like, oh, he's not a right winger. He's a left winger. Or he's not a left wing. He, he can only play on the right. I don't really agree with that. I, don't, I, don't, I think soccer players are soccer players. I think your footedness does kind of have a determination of what you're able to do on the yeah, pitch. Yeah, but if you're right-footed, you can play on both wings. Yeah. It's just a matter of how you shape the ball into the box. Right, right. And what I love about Andre is that he's always attacking into the box. And he does that way better than Yusviak. He does that a little bit better than Gaines, even. Gaines, Gaines is great for his fast runs and runs into space, but he's always out wide. You don't see Gaines, like, in the box that much. And I do see Andre in the box a lot. And I think 
Carroll would appreciate having someone in the box with him at times. But I think what you said is right. It doesn't matter how I feel. I think what you said is right in terms of what Latanzio sees it as. And I think that is probably going to be our MO for the next eight games as we try to push the playoffs. And hopefully he can score some goals. But I would love the idea, and I'm still thinking Danny Rams at a 4-4-2 at some point with Shin Yashiki and Swiderski up top, just like Danny Rios and Swiderski used to play up top in that 4-4-2. Yeah. I feel like that could pop back up at some point this, this year, and Danny Rios could be the substitute for one of the two. Right. Because having three of them play meaningful minutes in the last 15 minutes of the match for the remainder of the season looking for goals, you gotta got, you have to play the guys that put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, and when we come to the end of the season, I, it's almost like Danny Rios is going to be a bit of a forgotten man, probably. Not in my mind. Well, but not in my mind either, but just in the in the general public, you know, to the gen pop. But, man, I mean, I'll never forget the, some of the things I've seen Danny Rios do this year. And he's only got a couple of goals, but he just bounces. He does. He does the hold-up play. He came to us in our time of need when we were desperate for players. He's a guy that we reached out to and signed really quick and immediately inserted in the lineup, and that was great. It's going to be tough for him. It's going to be real tough for him to keep playing, especially now that Nuno Santos is in. They don't play the same position, but that's just one more attacker that pushes him further down the depth chart in terms of substitution patterns. So I I hope that people are able to look back and and give a salute to the bouncer for all the contributions he's made, both on the score sheet and in the intangibles. Everybody loves the bouncer, especially... When he lets you in the bar. <laughs> the Charlotte Soccer Show, John Hayes, Danny Brams. It's been a great episode tonight here at Triple C. Thanks for hanging out with us through our move from outside. They tried to rain on our parade, Johnny. But there's no chance that they were going to pull that off tonight, Sunday night. Let's just put it as plainly as we possibly can. If you're not there, You're dead to us, unless you've got a good excuse. For the crown, baby.